Hello, welcome to another Office Hours podcast. This is our Preparing for Funding series. I'm Kevin. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about accelerators and incubators. Now, Aaron, this is our sixth podcast in the Preparing for Funding series. So if you're just finding this podcast... Welcome. The, welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Send us a feedback, podcast at VelaWoodLaw.com. But I want you to understand the intent of this series. What we're hoping is that by listening to this, you will be prepared for institutional, maybe not institutional, but legitimate venture funding, which is typically the seed round. So we're glossing over the friends and family round, which we have discussed, but the intention here is to get you ready for your seed round of funding. So the first five topics were incorporation, founders agreements, friends and family investors, which is usually the first round of funding for any startup, pitch decks, and then finding or talking to your initial sophisticated investors. Now, we're going to end the series next week with what your seed round actually looks like and what common term sheets are. But before we get to that, I wanted to talk for a minute about accelerators and incubators. Recognize as we tell you these things, Aaron and I are not huge fans of accelerators. Given the quantity and quality of information that's available on the internet today, you can get a lot of this info just by being diligent and doing your research. If you live in any sort of big metropolitan city, you really don't need an accelerator because there's probably support systems, programs, mentors, partners in place to help you learn a lot of this stuff. So please recognize that. Now that said, there are some really good ones out there. And I really like the focused ones when it focuses on a niche industry or a niche technology type because they usually have really good mentors and partners and investors who are coming and looking at your deals. Now, as a disclaimer, we do represent a local accelerator called RevTech. RevTech focuses on the retail industry, and I think they do a great job of doing that. Aaron, well, why don't you describe or define an accelerator and an incubator first? Let's talk about the yeah. nuances between them. Yeah, I'm going to go in reverse order because I think that's sort of how they present themselves to the startup ecosystem. Incubators, I feel like, are much earlier than an accelerator. Incubator is when you have an idea and you want to sort of go somewhere to be around like-minded people to help you take that idea and A, see if it's worth exploring further and B, if it is, get it off the ground and, and start to grow the business. You know, taking the term incubator and actually using it to mean incubating the business. Accelerator is for a business that's a little bit further along in their life cycle. They've usually incorporated. Maybe they have a MVP. Maybe they have done some A-B testing. And it's really to sort of help an established business by established. I just mean you've actually done the paperwork to incorporate, help them accelerate the growth of their business. So would a co-working space, in a sense, be an incubator? In the loosest definition of the term, yes. I think that an actual incubator provides a little more structure than mm -hmm. just a co-working space. You know, yeah, a co-working space, you are surrounded by like-minded individuals that, you know, you can talk about your business with. Incubators are just a little more formal. There's usually probably some sort of programming. They have a network of mentors that will help you if you have questions about legal or accounting or insurance or development or whatever. I agree with all of this. An incubator we, we don't see a whole lot of them around here. Usually, they're going to provide these things like Aaron talked about, office space, mentors, some programming in exchange for a little piece of equity. When I went to Santo Domingo, Aaron, last fall to help with that pitch competition down there and realized that's a very nascent startup scene, right? I mean, they're 10, 15 years behind where we were. 
they did have a couple of incubators, just places where there was some guy who had put together a co-working space. And in lieu of paying the monthly fees, if you got accepted to the program, you could just work on your startup out of his office and collaborate with the like-minded individuals. And maybe he brings or the ownership group brings service providers or investors around to help structure your business or give you ideas for it. And in turn, he takes a tiny piece of equity. And I think this was a little more prominent in years past. Now, most models have moved to an accelerator type model where their goal is to accelerate your business. And the typical structure for accelerator is they'll take some piece of equity up front in exchange for a little cash and a lot of what they deem as in-kind services. So the equity I see anywhere from 2 to 6%, which isn't terrible. It's not great. 2% obviously better than 6%. I do have problems with how much they're valuing the services. You know, Some clients of ours have gone through 500 startups and um, their cash has been okay. Right. But 500 startups has some things on the back end, which were pretty 500 startup friendly. Some of the local ones, they'll invest somewhere 25 to 50 grand, but then they'll say that the value of the services they're providing is another 100 or 150 grand. I think that's really hard to quantify, but it's just what's out there. Now, I will say over the last five years, these terms are definitely getting more company friendly because you saw a lot of incubators, excuse me, accelerators get out there with really strong or aggressive accelerator-friendly, non-company-friendly terms, and the marketplace the ecosystem pushed back on them. So now they're getting to where they're more, they're more reasonable. The best accelerators out there are going to be Techstars, Y Combinator, and 500 Startups, though 500 Startups has had some funding issues in the last year or so. Techstars and Y Combinator, look, if you graduate from one of those, you have a term sheet waiting for you when you get out. Right at pitch day, it's not uncommon for those guys to get fully funded on pitch day. Those are the most prestigious ones out there. We've had we've been fortunate enough to represent a couple guys go through those guys. Super, super difficult to get into, but you know, reasonably so. I mean, some of the most well known startups out there were former Y Combinator Tech Stars startups. What I want to caution our listeners on is I think a lot of times, especially for the very early stage companies, they see a term sheet come in from an accelerator or an incubator. And especially if they don't have counsel yet, they will say, look at this, I'm getting money and I really need this money. I'm going to go ahead and sign the term sheet. So that's what I really want to talk about today is what to watch out for. Because one, you're right, Aaron, I'm getting some money. It's 25 grand. And that seems like a lot when you first get going. And then two, there's usually a lot of time constraints on these things. Need you to sign quickly if you want to be part of this cohort, right? You got to get in. So what I want to talk about are clauses or conditions to watch out for and to not agree to. So the first one is going to be any sort of anti-dilution. See this all the time. Yeah, We've seen things where an accelerator put into their program participation contract or their purchase contract that says, hey, if you go raise money in the next year and you're not, you don't raise enough money, it's not a qualifying round, then we automatically get a bump up to the 4% or 6% wherever we were supposed to be. That one's very frustrating. Two, a lot of times the accelerator will take a right to invest within a certain period of time. All right. Now, if it's a short period of time, I don't have a problem with that. You get into the accelerator, they're putting in 25 grand in cash and, you know, 50 or 80, 75 grand, whatever it is in services. And they say, and in the next three months, we get to do a convertible note at a million to $3 million cap. I'm fine with that for the next three months, maybe next six months. But I see these things where it says within a year, we now get to invest at these super favorable terms. Which one, if you're successful, your company's going to experience rapid growth in valuation over that first year. 
rapid. You know, and we're talking about going from three hundred thousand dollars at the accelerator stage to you know three million dollars at a seed stage. So if your accelerator is getting in at a million dollars when you're raising money at three million dollars, then you're suffering an, an enormous amount of dilution that you shouldn't be. Two, the biggest problem with rights of first offer or any sort of preemptive right like that is having to go and sit and wait for that right. Right, Aaron? Well, yeah. And the later stage investors, if they know that, hey, there's there's this accelerator or incubator sitting out there that's going to have 15 days to exercise its right of first offer, that's going to negatively impact the investor's perception of the deal. I mean, let me tell you guys usually how this works. So you go, you graduate from the accelerator, they don't invest. Six to nine months later, your company's doing really well. You've made a couple key contacts. You have a nice conversation with the investor. The investor says, I'd like to invest. Here's a term sheet. Before you can pursue that term sheet, you have to say, oh, wait, investor. Thanks for all that time you spent with me. Thanks for your belief in me. I got to run back to these guys who have the ability to invest at a lower valuation and they get 15 days to decide. So I'm going to have to get back to you in 15 days. And it's just a terrible thing to have to tell your investor because you're never going to be in a situation where you say, well, it's about time to raise. So now let's go to the accelerator and ask them to invest because they're going to say, you don't have a bona fide term sheet in front of you. I rarely see startups start the process of raising money too early. It's often too late. Right. And at that point, if you have a right of first offer sitting out there, it's just going to delay the financing further. So if that is going to be a make or break covenant, you want to one, make sure it is for as limited a time as possible. Three months, totally fine with. Six months, max. Secondly, if there is a notice window, make it as short as possible. Three business days should be plenty for yeah. an accelerator. I don't know why they need these incredibly long windows. It seems like a, a pretty easy calculus, especially for an early stage business. Yes, it's doing well. I want to invest. No, it's not. I don't want to invest. Okay, here's some other real big watch outs. Now, I haven't seen these ones in years. And so I think this is because Dallas is growing and maturing as a startup ecosystem. For some of you in less mature startup cities, you might still see some ridiculous things like this. But I used to see some where they would make you go engage their partner company for development services. Okay, you're in this company. We're going to pay you fifty thousand. We're going to invest fifty thousand dollars, but you have to turn around and spend twenty five thousand dollars with my dev shop, who also off, you know offices in the same co working space. That is a terrible idea. Any related party contracts need to be avoided at all costs, and then make sure you're discussing these with your attorney. Unless your attorney's running the accelerator, the- <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible idea as well. Yeah, I don't have any problem with attorneys running accelerators. If we ever did something like that, Aaron, we would just not represent any of the companies we'll in our invest, accelerator. We'll invest fifty thousand dollars, but you have to spend fifty thousand <laughs> exactly. in legal with us. Exactly. Uh, let's see. I don't like accelerator guys being on your board. All right, I've seen that before. Who should be on the board of an early stage company? The founders. The founders. Only the founders. I think I've used this example before. We're lucky enough to be in a city where Cuban invests quite frequently. And when he does even his seed stage investments, he takes the right to a board seat. He doesn't sit on the board unless they absolutely need him. That's one for probably administrative convenience, but also because Cuban knows even at a seed stage, you're still just investing in the founders. The idea is going to pivot. It's going to change. The product market fit still hasn't yet been determined. You're investing in the founders. The accelerator should not be coming in and screwing with the board. So as we get ready to wrap this up, when you get that program participation agreement and or a stock purchase agreement, you should get both. Please have it reviewed by counsel. Now, if the accelerator says, you got to sign this quick, we got to get the, the program started. If you don't sign this, you're going to miss. That's fine. Just pass and move on to the next one. Anytime an investor or an incubator or accelerator or anybody is is saying, we need you to sign this now, 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 no time to have it reviewed, 
that's a red flag. Yeah, company uh, investor side, they shouldn't have a whole lot of time. They're sophisticated. They have good counsel. Company side should not be in a hurry to do anything. So look, in closing, accelerators and incubators have for a very long time and will continue to play a very important role in the startup ecosystem. The more mature the ecosystem, I think the less value there is for these unless they are a bellwether accelerator like a Techstars or a Y Combinator. And more will come out of that. You know, Techstars and Y Combinator now have programs in Austin. I know some people can be have talked about moving one to Dallas. So I think you'll start to see those brands grow and those guys know how to do it and they know how to do it well. And then also a good accelerator that is focused on a specific industry, I think that can be good, especially if it's a well-written program participation agreement. Hey, if the accelerator wants to give you money and then just take a tiny piece of sweat equity for a 12-week program or a 14-, 16-week program where they're going to provide actual value, then that can be good. But this is even more reason why you have to review these things with your counsel. So find some good venture counsel in your community and discuss these things with them. So in closing, you can contact us, podcast at VelaWoodLaw.com. We'd love to hear your questions or comments. Show notes can be found on the blog, VelaWoodLaw.com. We'll have a link to this blog with show notes. We want to put a notice out there. Dallas Startup Week is coming April 2nd through 6th. Our own Caroline Faubacher is the legal track captain. So keep an eye out for these events starting a business, your first year or two of legal issues. Ask a lawyer. Our own Aaron will be on the panel there. Hey there. So if you want to ask Aaron a question, you can do that there. And then venture deal terms, what you need to know about raising money. Well, it looks like I'm going to be on that one. You can find more information at DallasStartupWeek.com. I got to run. Remember, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. This is the Office Hours Podcast. Five stars only, please. The Velawood podcasts are recorded in our Dallas office in Mockingbird Station. You can find all of our podcasts, including Office Hours, Three Things, and Silicon Valley Review on the iTunes Store. For questions, comments, or suggestions, email us at podcasts at